Welcome to Chamber Chats, the Halifax Chamber's new podcast where we check in with the local business community, ask government the tough questions, and find ways to save your business money. For the foreseeable future, we're focusing on COVID-19 and the economic impact we're facing, along with available resources and tales of resiliency. Coming to you from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Halifax Chamber's new podcast. I'm Patrick Sullivan, President and CEO of the Halifax Chamber of Commerce, and your host for today. We started this podcast a couple of months ago now as a new way to reach out to our members and to the business community as we navigate COVID-19. And we're very excited today to have a guest join us all the way from San Francisco. Uh, Mr. Rana Sarkar was appointed Consul General of Canada in San Francisco and Silicon Valley in 2017 with accreditation for Northern California and Hawaii. He's also a member of Canada's NAFTA Advisory Council. Mr. Sarkar previously served as National Director for High Growth Markets at KPMG Canada and Co-Chairman of the Advisory Board at the Monk School of Global Affairs at the University of Toronto. From 2009 to 2013, he was President and Chief Executive Officer of the Canada-India Business Council. And in 2005, Mr. Sarkar co-founded Content Partners, a global content agency, which was sold in 2009. And in 2001, the advisory firm Rawlings Atlantic Limited. He began his career as a consultant at Roland Berger Strategy Consultants in London and Munich and helped establish the Roland Berger uh, line, I guess, or business in India. Welcome, Consul General, and thank you for joining us at Chamber Chats. Great to be here, and uh, congratulations to the new podcast. Well, thank you. Yeah, we're excited about it. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun, uh, and great fun to, uh, to uh, be able to communicate to, uh, to all of our members on a uh, kind of more regular basis. But I think you have a guest with you today, do you? I, I, I do. I, I brought a ringer. So I, as way of background, I, I grew up in Halifax, uh, you know, grew up in Fairview in, in the 70s. And uh, uh, so I have a great affection for uh, for Halifax and, and, and get there at least once a year and uh, uh, and have great aspirations for, for where Halifax can go, and particularly in the context of tech. And uh, I brought with me uh, my senior trade commissioner here in uh, our team here in Silicon Valley, uh, is uh, Terry Cowell, who's also um, uh, a bit of a ringer from, uh, from from the East Coast as well. And uh, uh, I thought that, you know, given Terry's background, it would be great to have him on, on, on as well. Good morning, Pat. Thanks. And thanks for the introduction, Ron. I'm also uh, happy to be here. Uh, as we talked before, uh, born in Halifax, I grew up in Nova Scotia, and my family's still in Annapolis Valley. So really excited to be a uh, part of this. Well, that's great. Great to have you with us, Terry. And uh, you'll be pleased to know it's 25 degrees in the Annapolis Valley today. Uh, and uh, I'm pretty sure if it isn't now that later this afternoon, the wine will be pouring. <laughs> we can hope. <laughs> so, so, Rana, I'm going to come back to you and ask you to tell us a little bit about uh, your role as Consul General of Canada in San Francisco. Yeah, I, thanks for that. And uh, I just uh, part of what uh, we have uh, about 16 missions in the United States, um, in addition to our embassy in Washington, and of course, uh, it's Canada's uh, uh, premier diplomatic uh, uh, focus in many ways, just given the, the nature of the trade relationship uh, with the United States. And uh, don't have to tell you, there's been a few things going on uh, recently as well. 
Um, so as a result, uh, I, our focus here in, in, in the West Coast is uh, largely tech, uh, believe it or not. And, uh, and, and that comes in various guises. And of course, uh, we do the traditional uh, piece of activity out here, which are our consular work uh, for our maybe 300,000 or so sort of Canadian uh, diaspora folks uh, that are uh, that are floating around California uh, but uh, we also uh, do a lot of uh, of, of, of trade uh, uh, promotion work between Canada and uh, in California and particularly uh, Silicon Valley and uh, the tech corridor and so uh, part of uh, Terry's uh, focus is uh, as leading our trade team and we have an office in Silicon Valley uh, in addition to uh, San Francisco itself and, uh, and so we have a number of, uh, of significant programs that go back and forth. Um, but I, I have to say that, uh, and part of the, the focus for us in, uh, in uh, California, Northern California, is uh, what I would call tech diplomacy. And, uh, and you know, you, you don't have to tell uh, listeners uh, uh, very much about this in the sense that uh, folks know that uh, uh, Silicon Valley is the, the cornerstone for uh, a, a, at least $5 trillion of public value of uh, of uh, companies that are uh, both platform companies, but also uh, companies that are really forging what uh, the next economy is going to look for for the rest of the world. And so we have to be here, as I say, offensively to make sure our ecosystems are connected, make sure our uh, tech companies are privy to what is happening, our, uh, our venture firms are, and uh, large investors are also privy. But, uh, but also defensively in the sense that there's uh, a significant amount of activity down here, which we would say is um, uh, creating a, the new rules of the road for tech in, in so many ways uh, and for our economy uh, for the future. And if we're not here and present in, in some of those discussions, then uh, we'll be the lesser for it. And so uh, those are some of our big activities. Wow. Well, I, I want to focus a little bit on tech as we, as we get into this, but given that we're in a time of COVID-19, uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about just how we we're keeping goods and services kind of moving back and forth between Canada and the United States uh, during uh, during this time and during a time of border closures uh, on uh, both countries' part. Um, is is government and and do you have some responsibility in in ensuring that the supply chain is open during this time? One hundred percent. As you as you know. Um... Um, this is the first time in, uh, in in history the U.S.-Canada border has been closed in this way, and uh, so it's a significant step. And it was a, it was a decision that was taken mutually by um, both countries, and uh, uh, with the with the proviso that we would keep uh, trade flowing during this time, because there was a, a broad understanding that uh, uh, the supply chains on both sides of the border, because they're so intertwined, needed to keep going, and so. Um, there was concern in the, the, the early instances when, when the, uh, the, the, the border was closed for non-essential travel that uh, goods and services might get caught up in that. There might be a slowing of goods and services, but we haven't actually seen that. And uh, thus far, um, uh, we've seen a, a fa fairly um, uh, a free flow of uh, goods and services right now, and uh, we're hopeful. I mean, as, as, as many of you know, I mean, this is a, you know, a monthly uh, renewal process that uh, we're we're doing in terms of the, the closure on the 21st of uh, of, uh, of May it was uh, um, uh, renewed again for another month and uh, we'll see what comes after that but um, we're very hopeful that uh, the goods and services will continue to flow. 
Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure government has lots of plans uh, that they uh, sort of think about uh, and plan for. But uh, uh, having to shut down uh, borders, um, I don't know if that's one that uh, that we all saw coming. Um, no, I don't think so. No. I don't think anyone seen this in our, or or would have even imagined this uh, a few short years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so PPE or personal protective equipment um, has been uh, a hot topic uh, both in the United States and uh, and in Canada. Uh, can you can you tell us how or if the U.S. and Canada are collaborating on the supply of PPE uh, and the regular trade and regular trade uh, and merchandise services uh, with the border closures? Yeah, th- thanks. Uh, uh, on uh, personal protective equipment, I think that you know early on in the crisis when you know we were, um, I think all countries around the world were scrambling um, uh, for particularly uh, masks, uh, N95. Uh, medical grade masks and uh, ventilators at that stage. Um, and and as that sort of scramble was going forward, there was a, uh, a move to nationalize supply lines in, in many different ways. And uh, I, there was maximum concern probably about a month ago about uh, this issue. Um, we had a, a brief uh, flare up on the issue of N95 masks uh, with 3M and uh, a potential for uh, a restriction on exports on that. But uh, we, we worked through that issue with the United States. And partly it's based on this idea that um, uh, the masks actually are, are, have components manufactured on both sides of the border. Um, the pulp for the N95 3M masks, in fact, comes from Canada. And, uh, and, and just making the various uh, uh, forces uh, uh, in the United States and, and you know, the U.S. government uh, aware of uh, the, the, the kind of circular flow of, um, of that uh, supply chain was, uh, was, it was, was key to really resolving the issue. And I think that uh, now that, uh, that FEMA was put in charge uh, in the United States of, um, of managing their, their supply, uh, of, uh, of of protective equipment, and uh, and we've been working quite closely with FEMA. Uh, a number of Canadian companies have been actually working uh, on on supply as well, um, and uh, and as a result, um, you know, I think that over the last month we've uh, seemed to have resolved many of the issues on personal protective equipment. Oh, that's that's great. Well, you'll you'll be pleased to know, and Terry will as well, that. Uh... Uh, we've seen a lot of uh, switches uh, from organizations in Nova Scotia uh, who are now producing uh, PPE that weren't before. In fact, uh, Stanfields, who you may know, who make underwear that is uh, distributed right across North America, uh, have now switched and are making gowns uh, by the thousands uh, that they're shipping, again, all over North America uh, for, uh, for health workers. So it's, it's, it's amazing to see the changes that have occurred. Um, some countries uh, are out of necessity turning to government isolationism, difficult word to say, uh, with, for supplies or food or medicine or PPEs. Um, given that there's not a particular end date uh, for COVID-19, although I, I think we're, we're coming to a close, although I'm sure it'll still, uh, it, it will still be around, but we're at least seeing improvements uh, health-wise everywhere. Uh, will this affect the, the USMCA or the, um, you know, are there provisions inside the USMCA that can uh, that can reduce this isolationism. I think in fact um, the the long lead up that we had to the USMCA was quite um, uh, the relationships that were, were involved in that were quite effective in resolving some of the 
uh, the, the isolationism and the, the concern around uh, PPE um, uh, particularly. And, uh, and so I, I think that in, in some ways the USMCA has done a, a great service just in, in the context of the relationships that were in place to do that. But, uh, but more specifically in terms of uh, trading agreements around this, I think that um, uh, the, the fact that the USMCA uh, was, was, was thankfully you know, passed before the crisis, the fact that uh, it exists and you know, has confidence on both sides of the border, um, I think gave uh, the US administration, us in Mexico, um, uh, confidence to, to to work more collaboratively on on many of the uh, sort of the, 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 the the joint health concerns. Um, um, also, I mean, there are many components of that. Like the, you mentioned, um, Stanfields, and and you know, I think that's a great example. And also, the automotive uh, uh, mm-hmm. supply chain has been really motive, uh, been mobilized by this crisis, and so you have. Uh, uh, many of the uh, the U.S. Uh, and Canadian automakers, and then auto supply as well, from Linamar, uh, you know, look, looking at making ventilators and other products, to, uh, to to GM itself, to Volvo, which is working on both sides of the border. And so, there's uh, great examples of how the, uh, the 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 supply chains that were supposed to be for uh, USMCA or USMCA sort of derived are now uh, being repurposed for a lot of these tasks. And because there's the kind of muscle memory of cooperation in that, I think that uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a great basis of uh, working together. Yeah, absolutely. Are, are you hearing from Silicon Valley businesses uh, anything that businesses in that area are doing to support either themselves or, or medical staff that our businesses here could be or should be doing? I, I, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think that... Um, uh, the Bay Area, I mean, there's, there's two types of responses that are taking place. And I think that one is uh, the broader uh, uh, tech response uh, of uh, companies themselves and how uh, tech companies are both uh, uh, operating and in many ways, you know, thriving in this environment, uh, just given the fact that we're speaking on one type of technology that, you know, is, is made possible by um, the backbone of the, a lot of the innovation that came out of the valley, and so you know all of the the digital first companies and uh, platforms are are you know so they're they've been busier than ever, and so there's this kind of acceleration effect that's taking place in the valley. On the other hand, there's also a bit of a pullback in sort of early stage venture financing, and uh, there's been pullback in uh, you know some of the, the the companies that have been you know sort of uh, very aggressive. And uh, have been, you know, well funded from the beginning, and are we're, we're in a kind of a grow at all costs sort of mode. Now those companies are being are uh, looking at, you know, much more fun you know, their their fundamentals in terms of unit economics, in terms of you know the way that they're uh, investing, and growing for the future, and uh, what their cash requirements are. Yeah, the second sort of uh, uh, thing that you're seeing out of Silicon Valley is is, is a result of uh, the data analytics, the uh, companies that are, uh, are accelerating through this crisis um, and looking at using some a lot of the tools that uh, the Valley has developed and a lot of the companies in the Valley have developed uh, from tracing and tracking to uh, uh, working on the uh, analytics side of the health response to uh, looking at you know, the biopharma response. And also um, looking at the uh, the, the eventual uh, uh, sort of pharmacological response as well, and uh, so there's lots of different 
um, uh, partnerships that uh, the Valley is uh, engaged in, a lot of the major companies here. Um, so I, I think that it's in, 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 in oddly, I mean, it's a very busy time for the Valley right now. And I'm sure many of those uh, organizations have operations in Canada. Are they willing to, I mean, you, you're talking about the, the sort of the contact tracing and uh, uh, sort of, you know, software that may allow people to, to track. Um, is that something that they're, they're sharing with their, uh, their partner companies or, or uh, subsidiaries in, in Canada, do you think? Yeah, I, I, undoubtedly. I mean, there'll be um, uh, significant partnerships, and you know, I, I put that at the uh, the university level as well, in the sense that um, um, you know, one of the the, the great attraction points for uh, Valley companies, and when they're working with Canada, is the depth of our uh, research in, in university communities, and uh, and so in any of these instances, when you're looking at either both a you know tracing and tracking uh, technology, which of course would you know need to uh, meet some of the privacy standards and a lot of the, the practices that, you know, we would want in Canada as well. Um, uh, so those partnerships are continue to grow, but we're also, um, in terms of the, the virus response, um, in terms of the pharmacology and the, the various types of uh, vaccine approaches that are taking place. Um, uh, they're also, uh, looking at partnering with Canadian universities and, uh, Canadian research uh, institutions. And so I think that that's where uh, you're going to see a, a lot more partnership. You're already seeing, um, you know, a few examples of uh, early stage examples of, uh, of uh, partnership in that area. And, uh, and there will certainly be more opportunity there. Well, that's great. Well, you'll be pleased to know that uh, Dalhousie University in Halifax is actually testing a vaccine right now. Uh, that was announced at the end of last week, I think. Uh, so in cooperation with a Chinese company, not a Silicon Valley company, but with a, uh, a Chinese company. Uh, so hopefully, uh, you know, as as folks are trying different different products and different vaccines in different areas, we'll 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 get to a solution. Let's get on to Halifax for a moment. So uh, Halifax is it has a very fast growing innovation hub, a couple of hubs, in fact. Um, we've developed an innovation district. We're home to several world class universities. Could you ever see Halifax becoming the next Silicon Valley? And and maybe this is a place for Terry to jump in because I think he's been here recently and, and visited some of those locations. Rana, do you want me to jump in or do you want to start? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I what I would say, what it just my 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 only preface to that is that listen, I I think that uh, you know Halifax is a extraordinary place with a uh, a lot of potential. The anchor for Halifax in this next era is uh, uh, is is the university's cluster that uh, that it has, which makes it unique for a city of its size. And as uh, companies and as investors start looking further afield, as the valley starts to spread out, as it becomes possible to um, uh, to, to to work in a distributed manner as a result of the technology that we're speaking on, and um, as a result of that. Cities like Halifax are going to become um, significantly more attractive, and uh, and that's where you you have a real opportunity. Sorry, Terry. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I like I said, I was back in uh, Halifax for work in, in September, and I was just really you know really impressed, you know, just with the burgeoning infrastructure. Uh, you know, talking to folks from InnovaCorp, uh, visiting Volta, talking to different companies. Uh, you, you've seen the growth, uh, unbelievable. Just in the last five years, uh, I, I was struck by the amount of growth. So I think, 
you know, having the supporting infrastructure uh, combined with, uh, you know, influx of talent, because it, it's always going to be about talent. And, and, you know, people want to be drawn to where other talented people are. And I think Halifax and Atlanta, Canada has a lot going for it. And in recent years, you know, for our, our own programming, you know, our Canadian Technology Accelerator programs, um, you know, we recruit cohorts from all over Canada. And I, I'm proud to say we've had some great companies and then just in the last couple of years, uh, from Halifax, from Fredericton, from from uh, St. John's. So it's great to see that influx of talent uh, being shown up in the results. Well, that's great to hear. Um, you know, I, I think you're right. Volta uh, is an amazing uh, opportunity for the city of Halifax. But uh, some of the investment in the last little while in oceans. Uh, so you you probably heard of the, um, the super clusters, of course, uh, and uh, Halifax or Halifax, St. John's. Uh, was awarded uh, the uh, the Ocean Supercluster uh, funding of about $300 million. And that was on top of uh, the Ocean Frontier uh, Institute, I think, that uh, that's at Dalhousie University. There's been almost half a billion dollars in, invested in Halifax in the last few years um, for for ocean tech uh, and uh, and for ocean. So I, I think, you know, maybe it's not, you know, pure technology uh, as uh, or software uh, as Silicon Valley might be, although you would probably argue it's a lot more than that. But there's certainly an opportunity, I think, on the uh, on the ocean side. Yeah, I I would say that on the uh, the, the ocean supercluster thing, I think that's a terrific uh, you know piece of policy that will have a long tail effect that goes back many years. And you know, I I, I just think back to it. my my dad uh, did PhD research in um, uh, at, at Dalhousie, and in, in the building that he was in was the Oceanographic Research Building, and uh, and so we you know I grew up. You know, in the in the backdrop of some of that uh, of the work that was taking place, I mean, you really understood the depth of what was was happening both on the science side and also the practical side. But you know, if you think about where uh, global demand is going to be in terms of for global proteins, for the way that we can manage oceans, the uh, aquaculture revolution that's taking place, and the kind of role that uh, Nova Scotia could play in all aspects of that um, supply chain. It's very exciting, and so this is where uh, the, the the ocean supercluster work I think is uh, is, is really important, and, and certainly getting eyes from uh, many different communities, um, including the, uh, the the oceans world from the, from the climate agenda uh, to uh, you know uh, aqua farming and to to bioag. Uh, so very interesting looks in there. And what I would also say is that um, if I can put a little word in for uh, clean tech as well. Uh, in Nova Scotia, and particularly around um, uh, in storage, energy storage, um, the upcoming storage revolution as a result of electrification of vehicles is uh, going to be a significant one. And given uh, Nova Scotia's leadership, and particularly in Halifax, around in, in the battery area, um, I think that that's a that's a terrific uh, uh, start as well. And uh, I'd also say that uh, one of uh, the companies that I follow quite strongly here is a company called Carbon Pure, um, is the, of course, the, the, the injection of, uh, of carbon dioxide into cement uh, that reduces the, increases the, the strength of the cement, but also reduces the, um, uh, the carbon footprint of, of the project itself. And so there's huge opportunity for companies like uh, that uh, to grow out of Halifax and, you know, into, uh, into the world. So we're very excited about all those spaces. Yes, absolutely. And Carbon Cure is a great example. Uh, I sit with one of their senior executives, Jennifer, on the, the Dow uh, School of Management board, um, and she's a, a great contributor 
I, I suspect the labor costs in uh, in Halifax or in Canada are significantly better than they are in uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, by a few bucks, yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> it, uh, I, Terry, I don't know if you've got the number in front of you, but I, I think it's a, around uh, a thirty percent differential between Toronto and uh, the Valley, and and uh, and you can imagine what it would be from from the Halifax perspective. But I think that you know Terry's earlier point about access to, to talent as being sort of the key component. So it's not just the price of that talent. But it's the access in, of talent at scale, talent that sees multiple redundant opportunities for themselves. So it has to be a scaled opportunity for that talent to come, and then talent at different aspects of the of the uh, of the growth uh, journey as well. So you've got like the early stage talent, which you you could have a lot of young people who are who are very good at doing very early stage things. But you know, as you start to grow and mature organizations, as you well know through your experience. Um, you know, as you grow that mid-level of management to sort of scaling talent, uh, product management and uh, product delivery uh, to sort of global scale growth uh, functions, those are harder to get in uh, places that aren't the valley, say, or aren't um, large scale cities. And so the challenge, I think, for many places that aren't the valley or maybe a, a New York or a Toronto is going to be how can you create you know, clusters of talent that, you know, uh, that are deep enough across all of the different um, uh, categories that companies need to grow um, so that you can have a sustainable ecosystem. Well, and I think you're absolutely right. And and although I would say that, that Halifax has a significant amount of talent already and the, you know, just the local universities in and around Halifax, three three universities in and around Halifax, and then the multiple universities across the province can provide that talent. Um, we're also getting a huge proportion and ever increasing proportion of, uh, of foreign students coming to those universities as well that are enthusiastic about, uh, about staying. Um, do you think there's, um, do you think some of the recent US immigration policies um, uh, or conversations have created perhaps more enthusiasm uh, for uh, folks in Silicon Valley to, to, in, to open Canadian offices? Yeah, I, I, you know, let me let me uh, defer to Terry uh, uh, after this. But what I would say is, um, uh, I think that certainly, like, I mean, we're we're in a world where, um, you know, as you note, I mean, one of the great attraction points for Halifax, of course, and the reason why it has this opportunity to sort of, you know, to be, a, you know, a city of of scale in uh, technology is because it's got the anchor points of the universities, but also people want to come there. And, uh, and people have the ability to come there. And so um, the U.S. for the longest time has been, you know, benefited from the fact that it was the number one destination spot for uh, quality talent from anywhere in the world. I think that that, you know, Canada is giving it a, a run for its money, um, not just, you know, in recent years, but for, for a long time, but accelerated perhaps by the fact that we really are uh, leaning into, um, you know, sort of policies of open. And trying to get folks uh, to Canada, and so some of that is through you know our our you know really working hard with our university communities to ensure that we're getting a quality of talent, pipeline of talent that then has access to uh, uh, becoming uh, Canadian and 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 contributing in Canada. Um, and so I think that's a, that's a key component of it. And we're also sort of working hard with uh, things like the Global Skills Strategy, which uh, Minister Baines, who's uh, uh, 
when, uh, in, in the first uh, mandate for the Trudeau government uh, implemented, which I think has gone on to become one of the most successful strategies of uh, of getting uh, uh, people and companies uh, attracted because you could get a, a visa in, in about 10 days uh, or two weeks and uh, for top talent globally, which was unheard of. And so as all of these other countries were scaling back and were putting up barriers for talent, Canada was putting a, a, a welcome sign on. And that has gone, that has not gone unnoticed. That's gone um, ex- down extremely well. And, uh, and I think that the, uh, we hope that we're, we're leaning into that uh, going forward, even in the context of COVID. Sorry, Terry, uh, I, I wanted to bring you into the conversation as well. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And I think I think that that's absolutely right. Um, you know, we you know, I've been on this job for about three years. And, you know, when I, we were talking to uh, you know, Bay Area based companies that want to expand their operations into Canada, you know, initially, you know, the number one consideration then as of now will be talent. You know, they want to they're going to expand an office into Canada. They want to know they can find you know, the right kind of engineers or, or coders or whatnot. Um, you know, and and then the immigration issue is maybe a third or fourth or even fifth rung consideration. And we've seen that change. And and today, right now, you know, after they talk about talent, that's their number two consideration. Uh, there's a lot of interest in what Canada is doing, as, as Rana uh, aligned with the global skills strategy. So we, we have seen companies in the Bay Area express a lot of interest in, in Canada's open, uh, inclusive immigration policies. And I think that's a big draw because, you know, as Rana pointed out, it, it, this is not just an, an American uh, t- um, ecosystem here. It's a global marketplace. Uh, it draws, you know, talent from all over the world here, uh, brings companies from all over the world, not just U.S. companies and startups, but global companies have an outpost here as well. So I do think, you know, our, our competitive advantage of being an open, inclusive society with with policies like global skill strategy has attracted a lot of attention from, from Bay Area companies with whom we, we speak to on a regular basis. That's that's great to hear. That's really great to hear. Well, I think we're going to wrap up. Is there anything that you'd like to that we've missed that you'd like to you'd, you'd like to add? I, I just a just a, a a quick word. I mean, it would be remiss me to say that uh, uh, you know our 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 you know thoughts and, and, and prayers and feelings have been with the uh, the communities in Nova Scotia. Um, you know, over this last extremely difficult period uh, for for all the tragedies that have been visited on it. And, uh, and what I would say is that uh, you know I had the great pleasure of um, of meeting uh, Jen Casey when uh, she was uh, down here in uh, with uh, uh, for the California Air Show, and uh, she worked with uh, some of our team on on that. And uh, we we're really grateful to have done that. She was she was terrific. And, uh, so um, so keep the spirits up in uh, in, in Nova Scotia, and uh, we look forward to seeing as many of your companies as possible down here. Um, and have a have a have a look at. I'm going to give a shout out for one of Terry's great programs, which is the Canadian Technology Accelerators Program. Which Terry, I don't know if you want to you know describe in some detail. Maybe we can get some uh, companies from Halifax to be applying to. Something. Yeah, absolutely. It, and as I you know as I pointed out before, we we've actually had some companies from Atlantic Canada come through a program. Uh, we have programs uh, that basically help you enter the market by providing on the ground mentorship, uh, access to local investors, uh, access to local lawyers, and really how to succeed uh, in terms of either raising funds or, or exporting or entering the, the marketplace here. Um, sometimes there are programs can last three to five months, mostly virtual, uh, but we'll have an in-market portion. Some days we'll just have a, a two to three day boot camp. Uh, we offer programs in areas like 
digital technologies, cyber, uh, clean tech, ag tech. We had an auto tech program last year, which will continue. And uh, we also had, had a women in tech program. And so it's, it's a great opportunity for companies that are looking to scale their enterprise, uh, how to learn from Silicon Valley best practices, how to grow their company and, and raise funds and, and become a global leader. Uh, and, and because we covered so many different areas, uh, it, it's a great it's a great resource uh, for for companies who who want to expand their operations. And like I said, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that we you know we've had some great Atlantic Canadian companies go through the program and, and continue to draw from that area. Well, that's great to hear, Terry. In fact, uh, the chamber has recently launched a trade accelerator program with uh, ISED, like many uh, World Trade Centers across the country, uh, and uh, we successfully had 15 companies in that. Uh, in our first cohort in February and had planned for another cohort in May, uh, but we'll likely be doing that in the fall. So I will uh, ensure that uh, that uh, as we do this, we might have a technology focus and uh, we'll reach out. Um, and I would encourage uh, either of you, uh, if you do get to Halifax, we'd love to have you speak to our members, whether it may be virtually uh, over the next little while or perhaps even live and in person uh, to, uh, to kind of get the message out about the opportunities. So thank you very much for joining us, Rana and Terry, today. It's been great to chat with you about uh, Canadian trade, Silicon Valley, uh, and how we can push through this and come out stronger than ever. We certainly do live in interesting times, although I could deal with a little less interest at this point. Um, thank you very much, Rana, for your, for your comments on Nova Scotia uh, and on, on Jen Casey. Um, uh, although I didn't know Jen well, uh, I certainly knew many of her uh, close friends, uh, and they've all had wonderful things to say about her uh, uh, over the last uh, over the last week, sadly. So, so thank you very much, everyone. Tune in next time on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks, everybody, and bye bye from the Halifax Chamber. Tune in next time at halifaxchamber.com/podcast. The Halifax Chamber is in your corner.